Thank you for tuning into our Podbean subscription. We hope that you enjoy the message and we trust that God will speak to your heart. If you would like to sow into the ministry of Rebirth, please feel free to do so. You will find our banking details along with our PayFast link in the sermon description. Now, let's get straight into this week's message. All you all think spoken kills? And let me tell you something. Do you know that the amount of people dying from diabetes are three times as many people dying from smoking? Yet if I put a snicker bar, nobody would say anything. <laughs> Do you know that the leading cause of lung cancer is not actually a cigarette, it's your DNA. You could smoke for years and nothing would ever happen to you. This whole war against smoking is just to restrict the farming of tobacco. Mr. Mr. Chair, Panatosh Masters and guests, I use these arguments, even though I just made them up, <laughs> with all my friends. And the results? Five of them believed what I said. Two of them started smoking. <laughs> Words which said and articulated in the right way can change someone's mind. They can alter someone's belief. You have the power to bring someone from the slums of life and make a successful person out of them. Or destroy someone's happiness using only your words. Does that seem a bit too good to be true? A simple choice of word can make a difference between someone accepting or denying your message. You can have a very beautiful thing to say, but say it in the wrong words and it's gone. I have a son who's four, and he had this bad habit of writing on the walls of crayons. And one evening I walked into his room and he's going at it, writing and drawing and so on, and I said, hey, 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 hey. Don't you ever do that again. And guess what happened? He did it again. <laughs> Nobody likes to be threatened. Nobody likes to be intimidated. His pride would not allow it. He did it again just to spot me. A week later, I walked into his room and again, he's going at it. And this time, he was even looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, 
aan het einde van de intensie van de vibratie. Dat is het zesde voor 2014 en Charles de Waal hebben het waard. Dus ja, dat is een heel show dat de man op de aardse plek op de toren loopt door mij. Dus dan heb ik een lange muziek. The message never get across. But most importantly, if you are a person who's a role model, if you are a person who's been admired, anything you say could be believed. Anything you utter could be taken as truth. My friend Nasser, he loved his father, idealized his father. He would do anything to make him happy. But his father was the kind of person who was not easy to impress. And year after year, Nasser tried and his father was like, yeah. Fourth year in college, Nasser got straight A's. And he thought to himself, this is it. This is what would finally make my dad proud. He picked up the phone, he called his dad, Dad, I got straight A's. Are you proud? Please tell me you're proud, Father. Yeah, listen, son. I have to call you back. I'm busy. I'm busy was the single sentence that broke the camel's back. And he started drinking, doing drugs. Hanging out with the wrong crowd. Now so why? Why are you throwing your life away? If the one person in the world that I care about the most doesn't care, then, then why should I? And one evening I got the phone call. Nonsense in the emergency room. Drug overdose. I rushed to the hospital. I saw him on that bed, and I saw that machine go beep, beep, beep. And I saw doctors try to bring him back to life. Father, we come to you this morning, the precious name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word, which we can stand on. This morning, Father, I pray that you anoint my lips. I pray that you take away the clutter and anything that is of me. And Father, help me to speak what you've laid on my heart. Father, help me 
to just speak as your spirit leads. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Rebirth. And um, would you believe I don't have a presentation today, so Dino, could I have this a little bit this way? Thanks. Um, thanks very much. So how many, thanks very much, Dino, how many of you after watching that video are saying to yourself, I need to do better? Um, I, I need to really speak to people better. I need to treat people better, my friends, my family, my colleagues. And that's great. That's what motivational videos are meant to do, in fact. They are supposed to call, or, or cause us to in, in, be inspired to, 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 to do good, to want to be good. Right? There's a problem, though. It's very short-lived. Very short-lived. They say with motivational um, content, it's like taking a bath, make sure that you do it every day. Now, I participated in a network marketing company for a couple of years, and it's a very powerful and influential business tool, okay? The focus is a lot on personal development. Anybody heard of personal development? So the idea is grow your mind, grow your pocket. Okay, what you put in here, in your mind manifests in your pocket. So the idea is to be the best you, which has then uh, the, 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 the effects, the positive effects on your wealth, has positive effects on your life, as it would be. The emphasis is on your work so that you can become the best version of you. There is some bad news though. No matter how much you do in your own strength, you never are going to get to the best version of you. There's some good news though. Almost too difficult to comprehend news. The work actually has been done to give us access to the best version of ourselves, to a new version of ourselves. It's called the good news. So the good news looks to address a root problem within man. The world looks to strive symptoms of the root problem. What do I mean by that? So the good news identifies a deoxyribonucleic acid problem. Hey! Okay, in other words, a DNA problem. The good news identifies a DNA problem. The world emphasizes on how to do and how to be good. The good news emphasizes a DNA reset. So DNA, very simply put, is the material that carries all the information about how a living thing will function and how it will act. Okay, it is the genetic code which makes up genes which are responsible for giving an organism a specific characteristic. So in our natural being, the way we naturally are, we selfish, egocentric beings. It's all about us. The bad news that our DNA has forever been infected by the first Adam's sin. You and I as we sit here have a faulty DNA set. 
It's being infected by the first Adam's sin. The good news is that a supernatural fix exists through the second Adam's action, Jesus Christ. And you'll find that in Romans 5. I think it's around 12 or 13. You can go and read in your own time. So I'm going to briefly be going through lots of things, but you can go and look at all of those things because of time. So what exactly drives you and I in our lives? Okay. What determines how I live my life and how I respond to the seasons in my life? A lot of what we do, a lot of how we act, is based on insecurities and instances and, and, and um, things we've gone through in life. You remember Pastor Neville preached on, it was at the men's conference, but if you haven't listened to it, go and listen to it on our Podbean app. He preached about the little boy inside of a man. This little boy that has been exposed to things in life, this little boy that has been hurt in life, this little boy that has not recovered and healed from certain things that he grew up, that, that he was exposed to when he was this high. Guess what's happening now? The little boy is deciding on what decisions the adult man makes. The little boy is still driving the actions, the attitude, what comes from the very core of what this little boy has gone through. Healing has not taken place. The same is for a little girl. So the way we behave and the decisions that we make could be based on what we've gone through in life. The fears and the insecurities that we have. If we grew up in extreme poverty, we could be workaholics right now. I don't want to go back there. We could have grown up with a fear of sickness. I'm a health fanatic. People don't understand where the, where the motivation comes from. You could have been teased at school. And that's the reason and the motivation behind you doing what you're doing today. You could be striving for a perfect family because you grew up in a broken home. That's all that matters to you. You will give you everything for that perfect family. So yes, we are a product of what we've been exposed to, but also our defunct DNA set. And what I'm trying to bring to the fore here is you need to think about who it is that you are, why it is uh, that you do what you do, why we do what we do. So I want to give you very quickly two examples of people who have flipped the script, okay? They are good news-driven people. They've been exposed to the good news, and this is how they've been able to not do as we all do where we say, ego first, me first, all right? I've spoken about this lady before, and I love this lady. Anybody heard of Corrie Ten Boom? Okay, so Corrie Ten Boom, her early life was shaped by her exposure to Christ at an early foundation. Okay, the entire path of her life, Christ foundation first. Then she was exposed to the Nazis coming into the Netherlands in 1940 and them overtaking that area, World War II, and also the post-effect of the war. Basically spoke about how, how her life was lived. Now she and her family 
were watchmakers. They were affluent. They, they had no problems in life. They could have lived their life quite comfortably and turned a blind eye to what was happening. Here comes the Nazis. They now, Corrie ten Boom and her family started taking in Jewish people and protecting them and keeping them um, so that they would not be affected by this Holocaust that was occurring, okay? taking out all of the Jewish people. Would you believe eventually they got caught? Okay? They were sent, her and her family, to a concentration camp. Now, concentration camp, lots of evil going on there. In fact, some of her family was wiped out in the concentration camp. But while she was there in the pit of prison, she was still preaching the love of God. Now, here is a, a family that could have turned a blind eye and said, Psh, I'm sorted in life. This that is happening right now is not my problem, okay? But the exposure to the good news. After prison, she continued, she and her family, well, she and her sister, rather, continued in the work that they were doing, in what they were preaching, um, still giving back to the community. In fact, in 19, I think it was 1946, she met with two German soldiers that used to work in that concentration camp that were responsible for torturing them, that were responsible for doing atrocious things to them, to her sister, and she forgave them. Think about how difficult that is. She forgave them. So because she stayed faithful to the foundation that was on the inside of her, she was able to travel the world from Africa to Asia to the Americas to the Far East to, the, to, to Europe to preach the word of God. It was not just about Corrie ten Boom and family. There was a bigger picture. So the other person that I want to talk very quickly about is Saul who became Paul. His life was characterized by love and service to his fellow man. He described himself as this. Galatians 1, 13 to 14. He says, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my own people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father but for the exposure to the good news. Paul describes himself as a bondservant or an apostle in his letters, in his epistles to the church. Now, bond service, bondservant means doulos in Greek. And here's a couple of explanations from the Greek lexicon. Doulos means a slave, bondman, man of servile condition, somebody who serves. Metaphorically, one who gives himself up to another's will, those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. So, being devoted to another with disregard for one's own will. Does that sound a little foreign in the world that we're living in right now? It is so much about me, 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 I. Pastor Bev put something on Facebook yesterday. Uh, talking about my truth. My truth. If, if this is not in line with Clint's truth, I don't want to hear about it. I will decide what affects my life. The driving force behold, behind both Corrie ten Boom and the Apostle Paul 
was their good news revelation. They were, in fact, both bondservants. I love this by John Corson. John Corson says, and this is a good challenge, are you a Christian who is like a thermometer? You change to the culture at hand? Or are you a thermostat Christian? You change the climate that you are in. There's something to motivate us. So what is this good news? What is this good news that I'm talking about? And I'm going to divide it into two, two sections where this is concerned. My title of um, the sermon this morning is a God or a gospel-driven life. But this gospel, this good news, we cannot just get into gospel. You should do this and you should do that because then it becomes very legalistic. We need to know why it is we need to do and be. Start with why. So what is this good news? We're going to put it into the banner of indicative and the banner of imperative once again. So under indicative, the reality of who God is and what God has done. Okay? Who God is and what God has done. Under imperative, the response that is required from you and I which speaks then to the gospel-driven life. So, if you would, in your Bibles, Romans 5, we're going to read verses 7 to 9. Romans 5, verses 7 to 9. Are you there? Give me an amen. Okay, Romans 5, verses 7 to 9. This is part of the indicative. Who God is and what God has done. So, verses 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet, perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. In that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, so shall we be saved from wrath through him. I want you to underline, if you can, or highlight in your Bible, but God demonstrates, and then also highlight or underline sinners, Christ died for us, and then lastly, underline or highlight wrath. So, we've got there, but God demonstrates. We've also, uh, apologies, also underlined love. But God demonstrates, we've got, and then we've got love, then we've got sinners, Christ died for us, and wrath. So, within the scripture that we've just read, three things come out. Number one, there's a problem. Number two, there's a solution. And number three, there is a reason, a why. What is the problem that is highlighted Sin, sinners, sinners that we have highlighted is a problem. A solution, Jesus died. The why that is given points to God. Points to God. So let's look at it. We are identified as sinners and 
in the Greek translation, this is what it, this is what it means. It means missing the divinely appointed goal. Missing the divinely appointed goal. Deviating from what is pleasing to God. A sinner then is not necessarily one who has gone astray for wicked deeds. A sinner is one who is separated from Christ. Because he has missed the goal of God's purpose for us as human beings. What is God's purpose for us as human beings? To live holy lives in fellowship with a holy God. And here we were thinking it's all about, hey, the actions that I, that I commit every day. Do right, do wrong. Do right or do wrong determines whether I am good, whether I am bad, whether I am going to spend eternity with the Father or not. The Greek translation says a sinner is one who has missed the mark, who's missed the goal, who's one who is separated from Christ. You are not in fellowship with a Holy Father. So what is the solution? In the Old Testament, the sacrifice of lambs was continuously done, right? To atone for sin. John the Baptist said this in John 1.29, and he's identifying uh, Jesus here, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was already prophesying here that Jesus Christ who had come would be the final sacrifice and atonement for sin. Christ died for us, is mentioned in that scripture. So a mediator between man who has sin and God who is holy. He who had no sin became sinner. He did not become a sinner. He took on sin for you and I in order to make us right with God, in order so that we could come back into that of where we are not missing the mark, where we are in covenant with the Father, living a holy life in fellowship with a holy God. You and I cannot do that in our own works. There is nothing that we can do that is going to make us holy again. Our DNA has been corrupted. Our DNA, which is the root problem, how can you solve a DNA root problem by trying to do good works? That is the consequence of the problem. The actions and what we do daily are consequences of the problem. It's not the root cause that you're dealing with. Amen? So here's the reason why that was brought out in that. Because of who God is. Hey, and this is something we're still trying to wrap our heads around. This is because of who God is. If we look at verse 8, it says, but God. But God. There is a bold contrast between that in verse 7, which talks about how man does things. It says, hey, maybe man will give his life um, for, for, for somebody that uh, is, is good. Maybe, um, what's, what's the word here? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? But maybe for a righteous man, but perhaps for a good man. That's talking about how man sees things. He says, but God, now there's a contrast. He says, God sacrificed himself while we were still enemies. 
I might do it because I like you. I might do it because, hey, we've got some connection, or the righteousness, good. God looks at you and says, irrespective of, of, of the way you are right now, I will give of myself for you. God is a God of love. He's done it for us out of love, not because of anything that you and I have done. The word demonstrates. It said, but God demonstrates. Demonstrates comes from the Greek word sunistemi. Sun, S-U-N, means together. Histemi means to set or place together. So sunistemi means to bring or put together something in its appropriate place once again. God is taking that which was broken through sin and demonstrate through his proof of love and puts it together again so that we can have fellowship with the holy God once again. We cannot do that through our own works. There is no way. Only a righteous and holy God can restore us to a holy fellowship with him. Amen. Amen. God is able to bring us back together with that which was separated through sin, through proof of his love. Verse 9 says, Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We were slaves to sin. We have been purchased by the blood. We have been saved by God's grace from God's wrath. So the indicative here talks about who God is, number one. God is a God of love. But don't be, be, be fooled by the song, Gentle Jesus, Meek and Mild. Yes, God is a God of love. But as that verse also says, God is a God of wrath. Imagine... Me making the, 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 the whatever it is, the, the sacrifice of a lifetime for you. I give this beautiful gift to you. And you're like, ah. God is a God of love, but God is also a God of wrath. So the indicative says who God is and what God has done. God has made the way for us to be set in place together with him again. Sunistemi. Sunistemi. Together set in place. So let's look very quickly at the imperative. The imperative talks to that gospel-driven life that we are talking, that we need to talk to. And I want you to go through, through to Romans 12. If you're there, give me an amen. So, I love uh, when Pastor, Pastor B says this, and after the reading of the word of God, there's nothing much more that I can tell you. The word will minister to you. So let this minister to you. We're going to read from uh, 12, 1 to 3, and then I'm going to move on to chapter 9 to 21. Is it okay if we read the word of God? Some of the translations will start with the word therefore, okay? Um, in the New King James Version, it says, 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Let's move to verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejecting in, uh, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen and amen. The Lord bless to us the reading of his word. So, the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul is, is, is writing to us and he's talking to us about the great mysteries of the plan of redemption. When we get here to verse 12, there's a turning of the tide here. Okay, it comes to practical everyday living. So Christianity involves believing and behaving. But if I stood here and, 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 and preached and talked to you about behaving without believing first, I would be legalistic. So, once again, our behavior is not rooted in our strength. Our behavior is rooted in the Spirit's strength. Amen? Yeah. Get that. Get that, please. So, Paul, in, in, in the, throughout Romans, there starts in the letter to the Romans, he's telling them about um, what happens when you try to do things in your own strength, you know, actions, actions, actions without belief. 
you end up down the road of idolatry. You end up down the road of idolatry. This stands true for us today. If we try to perform actions without belief, whatever is the treasure in our lives, Shanom just read just now about mammon. What is mammon? Mammon is where your treasure lies in your heart. What is it that you believe in? The good news says there is only one that we should believe in. So true belief is actually married to our behavior. In a living Christianity, faith and conduct are inseparable. Now, in verse 1, we've got that word beseech, which also means urge. From the Greek comes the word parakalio. Parakalio. Para meaning beside, and kalio call aloud. Almost like God is saying, Come, my child, I urge you, just come, come beside you, beside me. Let me give you this message. It's, it's, it's one of, this is between you and I. This is personal. I'm giving this to you. I want to make this clear to you. Who is man that God is so mindful of us? This mighty, mighty, mighty God that he would urge and beseech us. Who are we? that he is mindful of us. He says in verse 2, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. And this can be summed up very quickly in those three terms, the lust of the flesh, the, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's the entire world system. We should not be conformed to those. 1 John 2.16 says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Nonconformity to the world implies bringing the body and its appetites into subjectivity to the spirit, not to ourselves to the spirit. We cannot do this in our own strength. We cannot do, and I stress this, beloved, we cannot go home and decide, I'm going to be good for God. Our DNA is corrupted. You will never, ever get there. You will never get there. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Bring the body and its appetites under subjection through the Holy Spirit. Subjecting our imagination to the mind of Christ. Now this involves relationship. This involves daily walking with Christ, with the Spirit. This involves us not doing this in our own strength. Humility of spirit. Humility of spirit in a world where people talk about my truth. In a world where people say you must be self-confident in the things of this world. In a world where boasting and likes are everything. In a boasting where... In, man, people are all about defending themselves on social media these days. 
We have personalities left, right and center about this is my right. This is who I am. This is my confidence. This is my boast in what I have done. And we are consuming that. We are consuming that. Our mind needs to be occupied with Christ and the things set above. Are your intentional filters on, I ask you this morning? Because the word of God is exactly that. What are we feasting? What is our appetite? If your appetite is the, or are the things of TikTok, it's going to corrupt even further. Are we building on the Word of God? Like John Corson said, like I said, thermometer or thermostat. We can only do that through the Word of God and through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. A true opinion of oneself needs to be kept in mind. We are but sinners in need of grace. There is not one of us that has arrived. There is not one of us that has arrived without repentance. Without repentance, we remain sinners. We remain cut off from God. It's not about our actions. It's about dealing with that root cause problem. Very quickly, I didn't read the part that spoke about gifts that was uh, intentionally because of time. But I just want to give you background into gifts uh, from, the, from the Greek. Greek, uh, it, it comes from charisma. Charis meaning grace. Charis meaning grace. And ma, which indicates the result of something. The gifts that we have been given, that we use here in church, have not been given to us because we're wonderful. They have been given to us because of grace. They have been given to us because of grace for, for God, for His glorification. So, once again, in a world of likes and in a world of pat on the back, when we are using our gifts, are we using our gifts to give God glory? Or, when we are busy in the church using our gifts, are we then using or holding the church ransom to that gift? If the church does not give you a pat on the back, I stop my gift. I walk away with my gift. You will not get the benefit of my gift. We need to keep ourselves humble. What we have been given is not of ourselves, church. It is from the Father. Verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Now, if you, if you look at um, 1 Corinthians, 
in First Corinthians uh, 12, the same type of thing is happening. Paul is talking about gifts, and he breaks away from gifts, same way he does here in Romans, and then he starts talking about love. Okay? And here he says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. The love that he's talking about here is an agape love and a storge um, love. So agape love that is motivated and energized by God. And storge talks about tender affection between family members. All right. We are family in the body of Christ. We have one father. Family members love one another with that godly love. We are energized by a godly love. I want to just say this, and uh, I'll say this almost lightheartedly, but not. The pastor is not Father God to supply all the needs to the church. You cannot hold the pastor ransom in the name of love. To supply all your needs. We have still been pointed to the Father. We have been pointed to the Father. No man can replace the Father. Amen? So true love is manifested by learning from the Word of God, then depending on the Spirit of God to give us the strength to love in the way that we need to love. We act in obedience to what the Word says under the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. 1 Corinthians verses 13, 4 to 5, well known. We can read it so well, but how do we walk this out, family? Love is patient. Love is kind. Go and say that love is patient, love is kind to your partner at home when things are a little bit tense. Say that to yourself. Love is patient. Love is kind. Man, I'll tell you something. Um, and and uh, I, I mentioned this before. And I even started thinking about this this morning. Um, Clint, how often have you said to Bernice, I'm sorry? It was working on me this, this, this week. And yo, I, I, I started thinking of the, the, the times that I've said sorry and then I had to stop because I couldn't. Love is patient, love is kind. I called my wife in this week. Oh, this word was ministering to me. This is what the word of God does. This is what or how we are supposed to be living our lives. Not I feel like doing it, so I'm going to do it. God ministering to us through the word. And I called Bernice this week and I said to her, my love, you know, um, I recognize that at this day, I kind of, responded to in a way and this was hard I responded to you in a way that I perhaps shouldn't have it might have come out a bit abrupt in fact I was having this own conversation in my head and um, that that came out was based on the conversation in my head I'm sorry my wife in all her wisdom says apology accepted I was further schooled um, how many of us were uh, and I, I am cognizant of the time. How many of us went back to work thinking, oh, really, what am I doing with my life? Why am I here? How many of us did that going back? And 
Believe it or not, you know, I, I went back to work on Monday and I was encouraged in the Lord and I went back, I got to work first, I was sitting in my office and I left the door wide open because, you know, as it is when it's New Year's, people will come and greet and all of those things. So I left the door open, encouraging people to come in and got busy to work. My team started filtering in, I heard voices and I'm sitting in my office and thinking, five minutes has passed, 10 minutes has passed, one hour has passed. Why has the team not come in? to greet, and I'm sitting there thinking, now I'm starting to boil inside, I'm thinking, the cheek of it. I've come back from leave, is there no love in this office? And all of these things. And then they walked past, and they're like, oh, happy new year. And I stopped and I called them in and I said, guys, this is not how we're gonna start the year. And I, and I let them have it. In my, I, I'm right to do so. And, 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 and as the word is, the Holy Spirit will leave you and minister to you later. And the Holy Spirit ministered to me overnight on this. The next day I went into the office and saw one of these ladies and I said to her, um, are you okay? Come into my office, please. And we sat and had a conversation and there was so much happening in this individual's life. So much happening in this individual's life. And I burst onto the scene yesterday and let them have it because I sat there and I was like, you don't care about me. Me, 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 me. And I let them have it. The, the salt of the earth, man, was nowhere to be found at that time. And I repented and I said, Lord, forgive me. We so easily forget. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud, does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. I think we should print that out and put it in our homes for those times when we so easily are reacting. Without hypocrisy, very quickly, the Greek word hypocrisy, hupo meaning under indicating secrecy, and krino to judge. So secretly judging people, pretending to love people. We should not love falsely. We're so concerned about false teachers. Sometimes we false believers, man. What is it that we are founding? What, what are we founding it on? We should be Meat eaters at this point in time, but we're still based on milk in the word. A bore is used, which means hate. Now, Paul is talking about love here, love here, boom, hate. And I found that uh, uh, pretty eye-catching. But he does not mean hate man. He's talking about hate sin. Hate that which is not of God. Still love man. But have the photo so high up that you do not tolerate sin. Do not tolerate sin. Hodge says, a bore is to express the highest degree of hatred. And he says, on the, on the other hand, we've got to a bore, and it says there in the very next line, to cleave. So hate sin, but persevering devotion to the things 
of God. Hate what is not of God, but choose God. Jesus hated the sin, but he loved the sinner, you and I. Social media has taken that to another level, like I said, in terms of defending the gospel in the name of love. But we are spewing hate. We are spewing judgment. And we are saying, I'm defending the gospel, though. It's not the way to do it. So, verse 10 speaks about, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing. Hey, this part. Now, this is a faith, this is faith talk. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Hey. Do we rejoice in hope when we in the valley? Are we patient in tribulation knowing that God is on the throne? Or do, does the circumstances determine how I respond? Am I being a thermometer Christian when I'm going through the valleys? When we're on the high, it's all about God. God is so good. Is God still good in the valley? Is God still to be trusted in the valley? We are doing things in God, through God. What is our response in the winter season of life? We are called in that basic verse 10. A summary of it says we are called to be diligent, fervent, joyful, patient, hospitable, prayerful saints we are called to be diligent fervent joyful patient hospitable prayerful, prayerful saints diligent speaks to intense effort we need to be faithful in the things of god we need to put in the work finding out about the word we need to be rightly dividing the word of god we need to be fervent we need to burn with that desire for the things of god amen Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now, I, I, I'll stop right there. Bless those who persecute It's not saying that we must go around and we're walking as doormats and all of those things. Yeah, it's talk, it says bless and do not curse. When we look at the word bless there, in the Greek, how it's used, it comes from eulogio. You EU meaning good, logos, word, means to speak good or speak good or well. So bless those who persecute you. We are speaking good or well of them. We bless them. We do not curse them. I'm not looking at you and saying to you, yeah, I bless you, but in my heart I'm starting to curse you. Lord, I wish that person would die. I wish the judgment comes upon them. You have no right to hurt me. Yes, I smile with you, but I bless you. But I, inside, my true heart is not one of blessing you. I do not speak well over you. Father, they might hurt me, but Lord, vengeance is yours. Vengeance is yours. Father, I walk in love. This is my brother and my sister. Yes, they might be hurting me. Yes, they might be. But Lord, you are in control. You are in control. Yeah. 
The present imperative there, bless, calls for us to make it a habit. It is present tense. Calls for us a habit to bless people with a pure heart. Amen? Amen. With a pure heart. This is not a natural reaction. So don't become... What is the word? Don't, don't become... Uh, I can't remember the word, but don't become that who tries to do it in... Don't become legalistic and do it in your own strength. Don't go out of here, I'm going to try now, I'm going to be a good person. That was such an encouraging word, today I'm going to be a good person. It's not what it's about. Seek the Lord's face. This is done through the power and the spirit and not by us. It's calling for a supernatural response. Anything less is missing the mark. Anything miss, less is missing the mark. Verse 15 says, Through the Holy Spirit, we rejoice with those who are rejoicing. We weep with those who are weeping. Putting others ahead of ourselves. This is showing the love of Christ. Verses 16, always want for your brother who is going through what you would want for yourself if you were in his place. How often do we do that? We need to be able to have hearts for people. We need to be able to carry each other before the Lord. Amen. That, don't be haughty. Don't be prideful. Like I said, um, before, remember that we are all sinners. None of us have arrived. None of us have arrived. We all still need the grace of God. When you are going through a storm, and whether, whether you are not going through a storm, remember those who are. And I thank God for, for those at Rebirth who are really intercede, interceders in this house. We don't walk in our own strength. We do not walk in our strength. The seasons that we have come through is because of those who have covered us in prayer, those who have covered us in the Holy Spirit, and those that we have taken before the Lord. We are not wise in our own eyes. Our adequacy comes from God. Verse 17, repay no, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place for wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do we remember this, uh, the, the, the story of... Saul, um, uh, Saul in the cave and David cutting off his cloak. 1 Samuel 24, 16, after David cut off a corner of, David's, um, of Saul's robe in the cave, he says this, when David finished saying this, Saul asked, is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds an enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. Can you see a supernatural response? It, 
anybody, and I mean, uh, David's men in that cave were urging him on and saying, <laughs> take him out. Take him out. And we are going to have those voices. We are going to have, um, what do they call them? Our followers, our children. Take him out. You are justified. But for our foundation in the word. But for our foundation in the word. Not in the voices of man. God's anointed both David and Jesus in preparation for raising or rising to their thrones. Having access to power. Do not exact revenge. They, 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 they choose the path of love and forgiveness. The walk of the gospel is based on the revelation of who God is and what he has done. The, 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 this gospel-driven life is based on recognizing that we are sinners in need of saving grace. We, we are not trying to fix our daily actions, do good, do right. We are fixing a heart condition. We are fixing a heart condition and not you and I fixing in our strength. Fixing through the one who has created us. The commandment that God gave to us, love God first, then love your neighbor as yourself. We don't need anything else because guess what? If you're loving God and you're loving your neighbor, you will not be faltering on the other commandments. We will not be stealing. We will not be killing. We will not be hating. We will not be unforgiveness and all of these things if we are operating in love. The gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I want to end with a, a, a quick story here. And I like this. I saw this online. It says, it's a story of a man who was arguing that a, being a good person is enough to get into heaven. And uh, all this other extra things that you're giving is all nonsense. And uh, this evangelist says, hey, the Spirit of God popped this uh, in, onto his heart. And he says, so the story of a man who argued that being a good person would be enough and anything further, uh, any further expectation is nonsense. The evangelist answer to him was this. If you were in a very affluent neighborhood with huge mansions and you chose to go and knock on the door of the most beautiful and biggest mansion and when the owner opens the door and you say, I want to live here with you, I am a good person. The owner will say to you, I do not know you. You cannot live here. My encouragement this morning is not to know who you are, but to know whose you are. Be born again, be transformed through the renewing of your mind. And this is not done in our own strength. Augustine wrote this. He says, a Christian is a mind through which Christ thinks a heart through which Christ loves, a voice through which Christ speaks, and a hand through which Christ helps. The gospel-driven life is not a show of works in the flesh to make us feel good, beloved. 
It's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. The good news is to those who have been separated for the love of Christ. So this morning, that is my encouragement to you, even as we start into this new year, and even as we are very busy with, um, what do we call them, resolutions, and I'm going to be the best version of me. I'm going to do good. The gyms are full right now. The Word of God does say, yes, that exercise, body, bodily exercise is of some value. Yes, there's nothing wrong with it. It is of some value, but it shouldn't be your core focus. Godliness is. Family, let's not major on the minors. Our souls might be required of us tonight, once again. And we go about thinking, I'm not so bad. I'm okay. I did good things today. I'm okay. The Father says, look at the DNA problem. There is only one who can correct the DNA problem. And that is by confessing that He is Lord, believing in Him, and confessing that He is Lord, so that we are covered and washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. So, Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you, Lord, that we can look to you who is the author and finisher of our faiths. Lord, thank you that we don't have to rely in our own strength. Father, we are weak without you. And in you, we are made strong. We ask, O oh Lord, this morning that this word would resonate on the inside of us, that we would recognize that we are sinners as long as we are apart from you. We are sinful creatures who are in need of a Savior.